Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. So, Coach, thanks for joining us for the Mike Litton Experience. It's great to see you again. Yeah, great to see you too, Mike. Thanks for being here, bud. Thanks for having me. So, um, so like we talked about, what we do, our passion. So, we know that everybody has a story, mm-hmm. and our passion is to help them tell it. So we want to start from the very beginning of your life all the way up to today, if that's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what we're going to do, I believe, is we're going to inspire and motivate people that hear our podcast, that connect with you and your story, and inspire them and motivate them to do things that they may have been putting off. Mm-hmm. We're all about inspiration. We're all about motivation. We're all about leading by example. Okay? Yes. So if it's okay, we're going to get started. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you again for your time. So tell us a little bit about where you were born. Yeah, so I was born in 1975, and it was right during the Vietnam War and uh, March of that year, and everyone was evacuating out of Saigon. So I remember zero of it other than what I've been told. And so, um, yeah, came to the United States. My mom uh, worked for the U.S. government at the time. She met my dad, who was a translator for uh, the South uh, Vietnamese uh, with the embassy. And so that's how they met. So they met there in Vietnam. They got married had me, and then at three weeks old, we evacuated Saigon during the fall. So you were born in Vietnam? I was born in Vietnam, okay. yeah. Okay. So came to the United States, and uh, you know we went to Utah at the time, and, mm-hmm. and make a long story short, uh, my my uh, my dad and my mom, they, they split up during that time. I had a really rough time acclimating back. Uh, my, my father learning a new uh, culture, a new language, my mom coming back to what was home for her, right. and uh, um, had a rough go. Uh, so much so that at that point, when my, my, my mom and dad split up, my dad actually left me and my mom uh, at a gas station and d- drove away with the car and uh, we had to get picked up by my mom's side of the family. And so really a traumatic moment for my mom, probably more than me. How old were you? At that point, I was a little bit under three, three years old. And so it's actually my earliest memory. I remember getting my hand, they were arguing at my hand, slammed at the door of the car. My mom got me out of the tent, tent to me. My dad got in the car and drove away. And that's kind of my earliest memory at three years old. Wow, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, unique, very, very much so. No kidding. So after that, mm-hmm. did you and your mom move somewhere? Did you stay in Utah? Yeah, so they, she was working for the government proving, proving grounds in Utah. Okay. And then she moved to a, a town in Arizona called Yuma, Yuma, okay. Yuma Proving Grounds. And that's where I spent my time as a kid till about the age of nine. Okay. Uh, and that's the point where you know, and again, I don't know how deep you want me to go on these stories, Mike, so stop me. But, um, you know, that's where my mom was really trying to get things back on track. She sure. really wrestled. Yeah. And so at that time, uh, wasn't able to take care of me as well as she liked. So I went to live with a uh, kind of a foster care system with a lady that actually lived across the street of us okay. uh, when my mom was trying to get things back up and moving. And so her name was uh, Samotha. Mm-hmm. I called her Smokey. <laughs> um, and so 
that was the season where um, you know all that was kind of transpiring a lot of hardship of our family dynamic and growing up and um, not understanding it well because I know three four five years old at the time right and uh, and that's where my mom uh, met a guy by the name of John Goodman and he ended up adopting me and so I took his name John Goodman uh, when I was uh, five years old and okay. that's that, that's kind of the story uh, leading up to leaving Vietnam getting left by my biological father uh, my mom trying to make things work having a hard time meeting a lady named Smokey and then uh, my biological dad uh, never back in the picture at that point but then my father who I call my dad uh, John C. Goodman adopted me and made me his son wow yeah that's a hustle yeah and you were five of them that was five yeah a lot, a lot of life experiences and a lot, a lot of memories in your first five years yeah, yeah but a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows so that was was that in Yuma that was in Yuma okay and so did you grow up the rest of your childhood in Yuma yeah so interesting enough so um you know, at the age of five, uh, my mom remarried this gentleman named John C. Goodman. He, like I said, he adopted me. And so at the age of nine, uh, they decided to move out to this place called Sandy Hook, California. Oh, yeah. So uh, I know that place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we moved out here. Uh, I turned nine that year. I'm okay. eight, turning nine that year. Started out here uh, going to third grade and then getting ready to move into fourth grade the following year. Um, and that was the big year of the Padres. That's the story I tell all the time as a coach. I remember watching the Padres during the 84 yeah. series, you know, doing so well, beating the Cubs, being Cub Busters, and uh, playing the Tigers, and uh, losing in the World Series. But I remember that was probably the first pivotal moment when I started understanding sports. I really liked them, you know, mm -hmm. as a coach today. And, and I begged my mom uh, to take me down to the Vineyard Shopping Center here in town. They had the brown linoleum tiles and the orange tiles. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah. I do, I do. And, uh, you know, they had the Orange Julius shop in there. And I just begged her to sign up for baseball. And uh, it took a lot. Our family wasn't well off at the time. So my parents had to sacrifice my, my, my adoptive father and then my biological mom. I had to really sacrifice to sign up for, for baseball. There was a lady in town named Millie. I still remember to this day. A really sweet gal who signed us up. Got going and uh, was praying as a uh, fourth grader I would get uh, drafted by the San Diego Pottery Little League team, right? Yeah. I ended up getting drafted by the Mets. And oh. so, a little disappointed, not the Padres, but to make a long story short, that was uh, me getting drafted by the Mets. I share the story oftentimes when I talk to families and, and coaches, especially when we're talking about athletics. It was it was one of the first moments, talking about, you know, those, those uh, I would call them Kairos moments, those mm -hmm. moments of huge significance in our lives, you know, getting left by my biological father when I was little. Uh, this was another one of those Kairos moments where uh, I get signed up for baseball, and I'm just loving baseball. I'm, I'm hoping to be t uh, Tony Gwynn at the time. Absolutely. Kurt, Kurt Bavacqua, yeah. uh, you know, remember the Garve, Steve Garvey, yeah, Garvey the, yeah. the pennant yeah. runner on the bases. Mr. Forearms. <laughs> <Yeah>, Mr. Forearms. <laughs> Love all these guys. Uh, 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 Greg Nettles, you know, Hughes yeah. Gossage. Yeah. Uh, so I just love playing baseball. And I, I, you know, my first experience with baseball, my really my first experience with sport, uh, I played a position called right field, uh -huh. and I batted ninth, and I was happy as could be because mm -hmm. I didn't know anything different, right? right. And anyone that knows baseball, um, there's a stigma about batting ninth. You're the worst on the team, and uh, they put the worst kid in right field. Mm -hmm. But a kid that didn't knew, know that, his first time experience sports, he was just you're happy. You're just happy to be there. Until there was a, one practice that the coach said, hey, we're going to get all the team to the mound, and we're going to read stats. Mm -hmm. well, what are stats? And so I started figuring out the stats were how you performed. Mm -hmm. And uh, started reading most home runs on the team, Robert Cabrera, most triples, Steve Romeyer, best yep. batting average, you know, Sean Williams. And then they started going down to the most strikeouts, the lowest batting average. There you go. And so on the team, uh, I remember I had the most strikeouts and I had the lowest batting average, oh. which was not 
hard to have both because I didn't have a hit all season. Right. So I was aware of both. But I remember walking out to right field and sitting down, crisscross applesauce after, after you read the stats. And I remember crying for the first time uh, in my sports experience. Because at that moment in time, I was told that my identity was in the minutes I played, mm -hmm. the points I scored, baseball runs, yeah. uh, or the results of the scoreboard. And I remember as a young man having to really come to a realization of what that looks like. And sadly to say, I didn't really come to the uh, the truth of that matter until I was married down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, not to fast forward too far, but we had won five CIF titles at Valley Center at the time. And uh, we're winning games and we're coaching hard. And uh, my wife and I get sent out to a marriage retreat. And uh, at that point, my wife was saying, uh, no, you're not doing well as a husband. And I was winning all these CIF rings, but I was losing my wedding ring. Right. And we all know that's not a fair exchange, not yeah. even close, right? So, um, you know, the identity of sport as a kid saying it was how I performed going in through my life till I, you know, I was in my late 30s um, at the time. Then you start realizing it's not worth, sports identity is not worth your your identity in Christ. Right. And so that was a long story about how I came to faith in that as well. But um, that experience at the mound that day as a, as a nine-year-old hearing that, that lie that uh, my identity is built in my performance is not true. Right. Your performance in an athletic field is like a goal. You're gonna have a beginning and an end, mm -hmm. and hopefully you're gonna fail forward and keep learning and getting better, which right. obviously you do as an athlete. Uh, played high school sports, all through school, played in college, and, and so with that experience, um, I think that's the one that was probably the most uh, Kairos moment. Getting left, being told my identity is sport. Yeah. So, who was the most influential person mm -hmm. in your life growing up? Uh, growing up, you know, I, I think the guy that I always point to is a guy by the name of Richard Watkins, Rich Watkins. He was my high school football coach. And I remember uh, the story with Rich is that coach would invite the defensive backs over to his house in high school. And I was a young uh, player at the time. I was playing you know, football, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. Now, where did you go to high school? Yeah, good question. So I went here in town, Orangeville uh, High School. I went okay. Orangeville High School, Hidden Valley Middle okay. School, Orangeville Elementary. Right down the street. And by the way, just so we're clear, yeah. you guys are hearing buzzers and phones going off. We're actually in Coach's office in his classroom yeah, um, at Espino Charter High School. So you're going to hear some things. You may hear some knocks at the door and that kind of thing. A lot going on today. Yeah. So you go ahead. Yeah. So you know. So uh, Orange Glen High School. Yeah, I grew up in town here. So at Orange Glen. When we moved from Arizona to to, to California, we moved to the town called Escondido. Yeah. Started at Orange Glen Elementary. Went to Hidden Valley. Uh, went to Orange Glen High School. Actually went to Palomar for two years. Went to Cal State San Marcos to get my degree, did my teaching credentialing. And then later on, my, uh, my career technical education uh, certificate credential for teaching digital media, which I teach at the high school. Why, why teaching? Uh, that'll go back to Rich. I think okay. It's at that okay. Point. Um, but uh, yeah, so Rich was the most influential person in my life at that time because the power of Coach Sess was sure. big. And so if your identity in sport at the nine year, year old age and mm -hmm. baseball at the mound, saying you got to be good, man, coaches, I want to please this man, right. I want to do everything I can for him. But Coach Watkins really pointed me to another way of playing, uh, playing for a purpose greater than yourself, right? And, and for those uh, that don't know, I'm, I, I'm a, a Christ follower, mm -hmm. gave my life to Christ uh, um, just shortly after I started playing for Coach Watkins. And, and the story I'd love to share is I remember sitting at Coach Watkins' house for dinner one night. He had all the defensive backs over for dinner. His wife, Laura, was pregnant with her firstborn uh, named Jonathan as well, coincidentally. and. Uh, uh, I remember watching Coach sit at the table. They prayed before the meal. They um, sat down and had dinner. There wasn't any distractions. There was a family dynamic at the table. And I never experienced that. 
growing up, my family, we never really sat around the table and had a meal. Right. We had TV dinners in front of the screen and uh, we did all that kind of stuff, but we never really had that. So I started asking questions like, what makes this guy so different? Mm -hmm. And I just started asking questions to people on campus, uh, uh, my teammates, and they all said, well, coach goes to here and he does this, and he goes to church here. And so I just started watching him mm -hmm. and watching how he treated his wife, watching how he treated his players. And I started learning that you can actually coach and play for a purpose greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. And so he was the most influential person in my life. He never told me to go to church, never said, hey, you gotta read this Bible verse. He just lived his faith out. And that old saying, like, right, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. Well, he preached it loudly by just the way he lived his life. Right. And so watching him go and live his life made me start asking a lot of questions. Uh, shortly after, the lady that lived with Smokey during foster care time, she got cancer. And so I started asking all these questions. I was driving up from Escondido to uh, Bakersfield to visit her while she was in hospice. And uh, came back and she ended up passing away on Christmas Eve. Okay. So I remember asking her um, the question, uh, asking God the question, why would you do this? Right. And uh, why would you take someone who was such a safe place for me as a kid um, and uh, take her from me? Right. So I had to wrestle through that, you know, ask questions of teammates, ask questions of some other coaches on campus. Nick Rosetta, you know, uh, was one of my big uh, helpers. My coach, Sowers, John Sowers, was my algebra teacher. And, and God was just really uh, attacking my heart, saying, I have something better for you. Would you trust me? And what I came to realize is in the suffering of losing someone who's so near and dear to get cancer and watching her pass away on Christmas Eve, damping her, her lips and her mouth with a wash rag as she was breathing her last breaths, um, what I discovered at that time is God is in the same place he was when Smokey died of cancer mm -hmm. uh, in 1991, Christmas Eve, as he was when his son Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin mm -hmm. and for everyone's sin. That would, uh, he's in the same place he is on his throne in heaven. He's in control and he's got a plan. Yeah. And he works all things for good for those who love him. And so that was where I started asking really questions about my faith. And, mm -hmm. and shortly after that, a family by the name of James and Patricia's band shared the gospel with me where I first really, really understood it and accepted Christ. It was at a kids camp up in Julian and uh, got baptized there by being a month later and gave my heart to Christ and haven't looked back. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was a long story. But yeah, so, no, it's fine. Yeah. So, so high school at Orange Glen, went to Palomar for two years. Yep. I did too, by the way. Okay. Um, and went to Cal State San Marcos, yep. which I did too. Um, kind of cool. Yes. Um, so you graduate Cal State San Marcos with your teaching degree. Correct. And then I started teaching fourth grade. Yeah, it was okay. funny. I was up at Valley Center High School. The superintendent said, "What grade do you want to teach?" I said, "Kindergarten." He said, "What grade do you want to teach?" It's not kindergarten. I said, first grade." And he said, "Okay, we're gonna put you in fourth. Okay. <laughs> I said, "Oh, great, great. It's a job. I'm happy. Uh, I've been married for about a year now. My wife was uh, pregnant with our our firstborn. Right. Uh, we had him about eighteen months after we got married. So we got married really quick. We're at twenty two. We I had my firstborn child. I was about 24 at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, we were off and going. So I was happy to have a job, happy to start teaching. Uh, started making videos, digital media videos of my children wow. uh, growing up. And so the, then the district saw it and said, hey, that's fascinating. Would you like to teach digital media at the high school? I'm like, no, I'm happy to teach in fourth grade. <laughs> and they said, well, what'd you think about it? And I said, yeah, I thought about it more. And uh, we were winning all these awards for films in my fourth grade class. We were doing Gold Rush videos, and Claim Jumper Restaurant was giving us free uh, restaurant tours and dinner yeah. for my class. And so uh, they said, well, what, what if we pay for your, your, your classes to go get your digital media uh, degree? So they ended up sending me up to Stanford University for like four summers in a row wow. to take uh, digital media classes at Stanford. I was just at Stanford a yeah, couple days Palo ago. Alto, yeah. I yeah. walked the Cobb Field for three oh, months. Great, <laughs> great location, great city, great uh, 
crazy spot that I found. I love Stanford football yeah. as well. And so that's how I ended up going from elementary school to teaching high school. Wow. So I have my elementary credential and also have my high school credential. So what what precipitated so the move from 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 elementary mm -hmm. to high school was digital media? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And were you coaching the whole time? Yeah, so no, wasn't coaching at all. Okay. I, in fact, uh, Rob Gilster, my high school football coach at the time, I just, uh, Valley Center High School had just opened. Okay. And I said, why don't you come coach with us? I said, no, I'm not interested in coaching. I'm done coaching. Why? Because, uh, I, well, I, one, I, I, I never coached before, okay. other, yeah, at the high school level. So I you played. played. I played. Okay. Uh, but I just wasn't interested in coaching. And so I said, no, thanks. I'm, I, I'll come shoot your videos at your games on Friday night. So my first year teaching high school, I you was the videographer. I was the videographer. Wow. I was shooting the end zone camera stuff. I was shooting the uh, sideline stuff. I was just making highlight videos and teaching digital media on campus. So we would do our morning announcements. Just having so much fun with high schoolers for the first time. Uh, but then year two, he, he came back and said, would you come out and help us coach? I said, well, I'll, I'll try it for a year. And Mike, to be honest with you, I was miserable. I didn't like it. I have the hardest time imagining yeah, no. knowing you as well as yeah. I do. Now we've known each other for three years, right? Yeah. I or over three years. Yeah. I have the hardest time imagining you not coaching. I would think that it would be. Yeah. So so take us through that for just a second, because there are people out there that are going to listen to this. Yeah. And they're struggling with the same kinds of issues. Okay? Yeah. So if you don't mind, take us through this process. So so you go and you film for a year. Mm -hmm. He asked you again a second yeah. time, right, to, to coach. You you do it for a year and but you we, don't like it. And we win the championship. I mean, that's the first championship the school had ever won. We yeah. won the title, right? The, the Murph at the time, remember? Right, we right. It, yeah. Went from the Murph to Qualcomm, and yeah. that's called Snapdragon, I think now, whatever yeah. it is now. But uh, um, yeah, so we get out there, we win the championship. And honestly, it goes back to that experience I had as a nine year old. Okay. Saying that my identity is the minutes I play, the points I score, and the results of the scoreboard. It, it was a culture that wasn't awful but it just wasn't something i wanted to be around as a as a christian man uh, at that time in my life because it was it was reminded about winning at all costs i mean it gotcha so the culture of the team the culture of and I, I wouldn't say it was the team it's just what high school football has always been yeah. and it's always you know you 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 you're six hour days you got yeah. film on saturdays you're missing time with your family the culture is all about preparing and right, winning. Right. And, and I, you know, at all a, costs. At, at all costs. Yeah. And so to that point, I just didn't like that aspect of it and didn't want to do it longer. But my wife, oddly enough, at that time, loved the football, Friday Night Lights, the mm -hmm. community, the friendships you she build. She still does, by the way. She does, yeah. Okay. She still does. Yeah. <laughs> that's very much true. Very few people in our games yeah. are more fired up than your, than yeah, your wife is. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she tries to hide well, it. I would say my daughter's more fired up than my wife is. So. Um, but with that said, Dave, I, I just remember getting in the season and thinking, boy, there's a lot of work, a lot of time. And it just reminded me of those wounds of my, my childhood that said I had to be uh, win to be yeah. worth it worth value and so I was really struggling with my faith and what competition looked like and so as those years went on uh, came back for another year we went to back-to-back titles mm -hmm. CIF titles I uh, said so no I'm not coaching anymore my wife's like sure we'll see after the summer came back and coached the third year a right. uh, fourth year a uh, fifth year sixth year we had been in the championship game seven out of eight years we won five titles in eight years so it's, to keep in mind this is my first experience out the door we're, we're winning like left and right, right. Um, and then I'm just, there's something missing, Mike, mm -hmm. in, in my life and in my faith. It was almost like I would put on my faith hat on, you know, a Sunday to go to church. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I love Jesus through this process. You don't hear that. But when it came to, you know, Monday through Saturday, I was all football. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I believe idols in our lives or anything we 
anything or anyone we love more than God. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, that's what that experience was like. It just, we had to win. We had to put all this time and this energy and effort in. And, and at the cost, it was 2010, 2011, excuse me, where we went to this marriage retreat, my wife and I did, with Focus on the Family in North Carolina at the Cove in Asheville, mm -hmm. Billy Graham uh, Retreat Center. And in Asheville, uh, Greg and Aaron Smalley had us go back to our rooms and assess our marriages. So I'm giving my wife five out of fives, because if you met my wife, she's, I wouldn't say she's perfect, but she's perfect. My wife is I've uh, met your wife. phenomenal. She's gotta be as close to perfect yeah. as I've ever met. So I'm giving her these high scores, right? And then my wife is giving my scores one out of five, two out of five, not present with the home with my kids, not present with her, short-tempered, angry, um, you know, and all those things was a realization that I'm like, what am I doing? I'm winning all these titles, like we said, but I'm losing my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I remember sitting in my room and on my desk, I had a book called Inside Out Coaching by uh, Joe Ehrman. Mm -hmm. And I opened it up to chapter five. It was after the fifth title at Valley Center. We just won the game. Um, that I remember reading this, he has, he has four questions. Mm -hmm. He says, why do you coach? Okay, we're winning games right now. That's why I'm coaching. He says, why do that's you- That's your identity, that's right? That's identity. tied to those numbers, that's yeah. That's right. Why do you coach the way that you do? Well, because we got to win, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then he says, uh, how does it feel to be coached by you? And then that's when the light bulb went on. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, I'm not really building relationships with kids. I'm just coaching them so they can perform on a Friday. I'm, I'm producing miniature John, nine-year-old Goodmans. Mm -hmm. Go win, go win, go win. And that's where here's the light- Here's your identity, here's your identity, here's your identity. And, yeah. and then I started to realize I'm the, I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not the games, it's not the winning and losing. It's that I'm teaching kids to be me mm -hmm. at nine, that they gotta win, because mm -hmm. that's where their identity's at. And then it said the fourth question was, how are you gonna measure success? Mm -hmm. So over the next you know six months, I started really wrestling with these questions. And so I started uh, studying through uh, you know curriculum. Joe Ehrman's Inside Out Coaching was a book I read from beginning to end, Seasonal Life by Joe Ehrman. Uh, Jeff Duke wrote a book called 3D Coaching. So all these books, I just started dealing and diving in. Tony Dungy, Uncommon. Um, Love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> great man. And so I started realizing, hey, wait, we can do this differently. Mm -hmm. So it's about a three-year process. So I get to 2014, and I get my opportunity to be a head coach for the first time in my career. Now I'm going in my 10th year head coaching year at Eskino Charter. And now 10 years of doing the head coaching deal, you can drastically change culture. When I came here to Charter, there were 13 kids in the program. Mm -hmm. um, watching the program go from 13 kids to last year we had over 90 kids in the program, right? Mm -hmm. And this year we're about the same number. Um, so that's the point I started figuring out if we can be transformational in the life of an athlete, if you can teach them the X's and O's with excellence, because you got it, they, they came here to play football. Mm -hmm. So you got to be great at the X's and O's. Mm -hmm. And that honestly comes from time doing it. And honestly, you just study the game, you'll learn it with time. Mm -hmm. um, and truthfully, you can Google a whole bunch of stuff on, on YouTube nowadays, and you can find out how to stop wing tee, you can find out how to run an RPO. So there's so much information on the X's and O's nowadays. Even for young coaches, they can just go out there and find the information. But you got to be great at the X's and O's. The second thing I discovered is you gotta understand how to motivate well, mm -hmm. because you can't punish a kid for a motivational issue with the X's and O's solution. So oftentimes a kid will come to practice late, mm -hmm. coaches say go run a lap. Well, that's not a physical, that's a motivational issue with the mm -hmm. kid. So what you start figuring out, why were you late? Well, if you ask that question to kids, you're gonna get amazing answers. One thing is my coach, I messed up. I didn't set my alarm and I came late to practice. Mm -hmm. But most of the times I find that Mike, that you find some kid, why were you late today? You pull them aside one-on-one. You start finding out, well, my parents are having an argument at home, or hey, I had to ride the bus from uh, Vista to the transit station, from the transit station at Escondido to school. And the bus didn't show, or something yeah. happened with the bus, yeah. And so you start realizing uh, our youngsters are dealing with a lot more than when we realize. And it's, uh, it's I'm sad to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not sad, I'm ashamed to say, 
why wouldn't it be anything different? That's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Dad would leave the gas station. Mom is living in a double or a single white trailer, eating a TV dinner and giving me what's uh, the TV dinner starts. Mm-hmm. She eats what's left over. Mm-hmm. So all these things I dealt with as a kid. Why would I remember that our same athletes and our programmers they are dealing with the same stuff we dealt with 30 years ago? We forget. We forget. And it's 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 our own mechanism or amygdala, right? Mm-hmm. That's protecting us, and it gets us to a place to where we don't we we park it. We're men, we compartmentalize, yeah. right? One of my favorite books is when Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti, mm. right? By Bill and Pam Farrell. Yeah. And it's all about the differences on how we're built as people. Yeah. And men compartmentalize things in the little squares like waffles, mm. right? And women, everything is emotionally interattached like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. It's exactly. So great. It's a great I've, I've, I know. I know the name. You got to read that book. Yeah, I haven't read the book. Yeah. By the way, he, Bill. Yeah. Is my ghostwriter on my new on my books coming up. That's right. You mentioned. We that. start January twenty twenty four our ownership book. So. I'm in a uh, Bill and Pam Farrell. They mm-hmm. did a marriage retreat like years later. Yeah. It's one of the Graham, uh, the Billy Graham, uh, uh, the co's what they call it. But I remember meeting them and just phenomenal speakers, phenomenal yeah. hearts for people, and obviously they love the Lord too. Really good people. Yeah. So yeah. So we forget. Yeah, we is forget. What happens, and we compartmentalize, and then we take our experience that we currently have, mm-hmm. and we try to project it on other people, and that's not what they're going through. Yeah. Right. The yeah. best thing you can do, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, is ask questions. That's right. Of youth. Okay. Ask them questions. They are. They come out of the womb programmed to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Like even to this day, yeah. if you have a toddler. And they're throwing a fit. All you have to do is walk up to them, get in their face, and go, "What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. They look at you. They want to answer your question, and they completely forget. It interrupts their pattern. They completely forget why they were upset. Yeah. Right. So good. I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah. So that's the power of questions. So yeah, I well, totally get what it's, you're saying. It's interesting. That I want to be parked down that road of questions too. Like what I've discovered as a um, as a coach today. Like if you ask even my own children at high school age. You ask them a yes or no question. Let me ask you, how was your day? Good. Was yeah. You, you have fun today? Yes. Uh, anything big tomorrow? No. Th- th- those questions are sh- they're quick to answer. Mm-hmm. When I've discovered a sca- scale questions, and I tell my coaching staff and our staff here, we try to use what we call four at the door. Right. I think it's a really great tool. And I wish I came up with it. I didn't. I stole it from another coach. So. It's okay. But I, I think of the word nets. You mm-hmm. think of volleyball nets, basketball nets. Mm-hmm. But every kid needs to hear their name at a practice. I agree. So instead of saying, hey, number 25, or hey, QB1, Hey, Travis, come see me real quick, buddy. Right. Uh, so name, they need eye contact. Like this whole interview, you've been just dialed in looking at me, making me feel like everything I'm saying is worth value. Mm-hmm. That eye contact is so important. So name, eye contact, and a touch. Every kid needs a pat on the helmet, a high five, a side hug, whatever it is, mm-hmm. just to know that you're with them. Mm-hmm. And then the questions, S for nets, right? Scale mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. I'll ask a player, I'll say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how was school today? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, it was a five. I'll say, well, it was a five. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, because I didn't do good on my algebra test today. Well, that gives me information as tomorrow. Hey, how's the algebra going for you? All right. Are you, you have, when's your next test? Uh, how do you think you're going to do on it? Right. Then all of a sudden. How are you going to correct this? That's right. Right. So question. What do you have in place? That's right. Yeah. So that the, we got four at the door. Mm-hmm. So asking those four questions, you know, um, name, eye contact, touch, and scale question. Yeah, I have that four at the door experience with every athlete on the field. Uh, you know, especially when we have 90 kids on the field, one coach. When there's 13 kids, I can do all 13. Like, mm-hmm. Now as I've gotten, you know, 90 kids, you have to have every coach yeah. take their 10 kids and do that four at the door with them. Yeah, but every kid feels seen, and that's why I think we went from 13 to 90. Yeah, ninety-seven. Well, yeah. it's a big. You're a big. You're a big reason why. And just so you know, mm-hmm. I'm making eye contact with you because I couldn't value this time more no, if I tried. So, so you know that, right? Yeah. Um, so, 
so when you so when when you are from where from where you came to where you are now, right? So you started coaching, head coaching mm -hmm. at was it classical? Classical, my first year head okay, coaching. So classical academy, just yes. so people know, is yep. a is a charter school here mm -hmm. in Escondido. Yes. And they're kind of our crosstown rival. Yes. Kinda, right? And when yeah, you I, took over, did I pause you on that? Sure, that's, of course. That's one of my heart passions. Like I think, um, and this is just my heart. So what God's called me to do, and it's very clear, it's been very simple, is to coach the hearts of athletes, the mm -hmm. families in this community of Escondido. So when I hear the word, they're your enemy or they're your rival. And I know you say enemy. Oh no, yeah, no, no, no. But you, you hear people say, "Oh, you're gonna be your enemy, your rival down the street." I even had you know the uh, 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 colleague at the other school. Hey, if you go to charter, we're gonna be your rivals. Uh, they said, yeah, "Actually, because my wife is still working there at the time, your wife's gonna be your rival." They're not my rivals. They're they're high school athletes. They're high school coaches. And they're dear uh, image bearers of who God made them to be. Oh, sure. They are God's image bearers. So when I think of rivalry, I can't really. I dislike that phrase or I dislike that competition because we want to build a community of unity here mm -hmm. in Escondido. And that's the journey of plays one. And right. that's where that started from. So yeah, I did get my start there. I, I think in God's, I, I would be fascinated to watch what God's authorship of his story is because it's really his story in our lives. It'd be interesting to see why he did what he did because I never thought I would be a high school coach. Mm -hmm. I'm going into my 20th season as a coach now. Yeah. Never wanted to be a coach. Yeah. Right? Never didn't wanted to like it. Didn't like it, yeah. And looking back, what he's writing his story, these chapters he's written, I'm gonna give you a chance to head coach at this community here. Now I'm gonna give you a chance to head coach at this community here. By coaching at both communities, it's given me more opportunities to impact Escondido through God's love. And really, this is simple, simply as this, to provide opportunities for people to experience who God is and watch God do the work. Because we can't save anybody, we can't uh, do anything, we can't earn their, their way in heaven, it's only God's grace and mercy. But my job is pretty simple, love them, love their families, love us and and give them experience who God is and who God is and watch God do the work. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something else. Okay. Yeah, and this is, I think this is important for you to understand. Mm -hmm. I've been here a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. My children went to school here. Not to brag on but your legacy of this. When I came in my first year, they said, hey, Mike Lynn just moved back from Florida. He's got to be your voice of the Tigers. I'm like, great. I don't have a voice of the Tigers. Right. And they're like, Mike's your guy. Yeah. You're, well, well, you're, was, you're legendary. That's, that's very kind. Yeah. Thank you. But I have been here a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yes, I did go to I did go to Tampa and sell their homes for nine months. Yeah. Uh, but I came back. And when I came back, immediately people were like, okay, you're you're going to do this again, right? You know? Yeah. And I, and I, of all the things that I miss, <coughs> I miss being the voice of the White Tigers the most. Yeah. Okay, um, I've been here long enough to experience the culture before you got here and experience the culture after you got here. Um, a big, big part of why there's 97 players in the program mm -hmm. is you mm -hmm. and the fact that you <coughs> are as effective as you are, not just, not just winning, but effective in terms of how you manage the kids. So I, I'm somebody who wants to make a difference all the time, okay? I'm constantly, it's on my heart and something, and I, and I love to teach and I love to coach and I love everything about it, okay? And I'm constantly asking you how I can help, okay? I'm constantly asking you how I can help because of you, okay? And because of the difference that you've made here, it's hard to quantify Sorry, it's hard to quantify the difference, mm. and it's hard to quantify how you have affected the children here. Mm. All of us want 
our kids and the our kids and the kids that go to school here all of us want them to be positively influenced we want them to have the best of the best in terms of leaders and you might my friend are the best of the best oh. handstand so there you go. I wanted to share that. Yeah, with you. thank you. So, and you're kind. And I, what I would say to that, Mike, is one, thank you for the encouragement. It does, it does bless me to hear that encouragement. But you and I both know that we, we, we can do nothing apart from Christ. Absolutely. And you and I both know that, you know, anything good that's in me, I, I've had the blessing of, of playing for a Rich Watkins in my career, yeah. uh, a Denny Snyder yeah. in my career, uh, a, a Nick Rissetta in my career. So all these, all these men that have been uh, very transparent with who they are, mm -hmm. All I'm doing is passing on. And if you look at our town of Escondido. You're paying it forward. Yeah. And, and this is stopped here at Escondido because this is where my heart's at. You know, there's been opportunities to go to other communities and coach in other places. But if you look at a, a Chick Embry mm -hmm. who loved the hearts of I was just families. thinking of him because I interviewed Coach Danny Snyder for a previous podcast. Yes. And Chick Embry was the the guy. That's, that's who absolutely mm -hmm. transformed Denny Snyder's life. That's right. I mean, and for you, it was Rich Watkins, right? I mean, you just, there's this legacy of these great men here yeah. that have had massive influence on you, Coach Snyder. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. Well, it's amazing if you look at the legacy of the coaching tree, right? So Chick Embry was the head coach. Denny Snyder was the head coach. Mm -hmm. Rob Gilster was my head coach. Mm -hmm. and coach from the Valley mm -hmm. Center. And then, and then obviously now I'm the head coach here asking the charter. So this legacy of God's blessing on people through coaching is undeniable. I, I mean, agree. it's his hand, it's his blessing. I love that passage in John 15 where it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? right? So when you look at that coaching tree, we know all those coaches prior to me that I've learned and I've stolen from and I've, I've gleaned from and I've just been blessed to be under their, their, their coaching lineage. Right. They're part of the, the, the big vine, the, the heavenly coach. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so evident in our town of Escondido that there's just such a legacy of faith through coaching in our town of loving kids and loving families. It's that script you cannot write. You can't. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But thank so, you for the compliment. It's all so you, so, Praise the Lord. So let's talk about today. Okay. okay so you leave classical mm -hmm. and you come to charter. Yeah. Why? Yeah, opportunity. I, I think to me, when I look at the dynamics and demographics of Escondido and what families are, are desperately looking for, uh, I just saw opportunity here. Uh, love the families, love the athletes at classical to this day. Uh, a lot of my nephews uh, uh, are playing football there. Mm -hmm. um, I have two daughters uh, that graduated from there after I left, right? Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff there at classical with kids and families, it's a beautiful community of people um, in that community. Uh, when I looked at charter, and here's the truth of it, when you look at some of the charter schools, uh, I love what charter does here. Mm -hmm. They uh, they take kids from the neighborhoods. It's right here. They, our campus looks like Escondido. I agree. Demographically wise. And so when I saw that and then the needs here, I, I you know, look at our families where we have 60% of our kids on campus that are eligible for free and reduced lunch, right? Uh, the kids taking buses to places. I can walk. You know, four miles to get to practice, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things are happening in this community. These are the moments that I'm really seeking to have uh, influence and opportunity to love kids right. that were me, right? I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with, uh, you know, all the things that uh, like my kids are getting today. Mm -hmm. So my heart honestly goes to the kids that were me when I was that age, yeah. and that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm also here because of the leadership here. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's they're probably even the, the, the kids and families here that I'm here for mm -hmm. the leadership here. I don't think there's another school 
and, I, and I, I definitely say this in SKD, I might even be able to say this in the nation. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's another school that's gonna stand up for virtue and for truth and for what's best for kids and what's best for the families and the hearts of those kids and families. Uh, Sean Roner is a tremendous leader. Uh, the best leader I've worked for in my educational career, and I've worked for some really good ones, mm -hmm. state superintendents of the year. Uh, my best friends are Ron McCowan. Uh, he's a great leader. I've worked with some really great leaders. Right. Um, Sean Roder is by far the best leader I've ever worked for. He has such a heart for his staff, such a heart for kids, such a heart for families. There's not a better one out there. Yeah, I agree. So, you come to this charter mm -hmm. and you absolutely are like a thunderbolt. I mean, this place mm -hmm. turns around and the <laughs> kids are energized. I mean, it's amazing. It was funny. Absolutely you see, amazing. You see, my first year, I, I have never had a three and seven season my whole career. <laughs> I've never had. It was ironic because I'm like, three and seven, my goodness, this is hard work. You know, there's right. kids. I think the first year we got them up to 58 kids in the program yeah. that first year. But three and seven, the whole campus was like a buzz. Like, we're champions. Yeah. Like, no, we didn't make the playoffs. We went three and That's seven. what you took over. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to explain this well, to you, it, man. It, it was it's, hard to, it's hard to quantify. Yeah, and you look back <laughs> at that first year, it's really weird because we had won more games that first year than we had won in the last, I think, 37 games. Yeah. So going back four years, yeah. right? So um, three games in one season were more wins than the last four years combined. Right. Um, it's like, okay, that's it. And then this thing called COVID hits. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird. I made this move to come here building a program and now we have to have an off year. Right. We didn't play football the next year until April. Yeah, and we I had, remember. We had three games, if you remember this. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, now we're starting from scratch over and now my program went from you know 58 kids to 58 kids. I thought we'd make a big bump Right. and then COVID hit. Well, you survived. I mean, mm -hmm. so COVID hits and you and I are talking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you and I are talking and I'm like, I'm like coach, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Right? right. And you're like, okay, okay. Come talk to the team. Yeah, like, that's right. Your that's family right. come talk to the team. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, come talk to the team. I want you to talk to them about courage, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. And so I come out, yes. and I'm down there on the on the practice it's field, six yards or six and yards, it's, uh, yeah, six feet apart, yeah, six yards apart, yeah. yeah, and it's and it's raining like crazy, like we got drowned. Yeah, and these kids are still out there practicing, doing their thing. Yeah, and I'm standing there going, this is a little dumb. I'm standing out here getting soaked. Yeah. But I'm I'm not I'm not leaving. They're not leaving, no. right? So no. I stood out there and I got soaked. And then we had a break in the in the in the in the weather. And you and you flagged me. You waved me over. Yeah. So I go over and I get in front of them, and I'm literally standing there going, "Coach wants me to talk to you about courage," and you're the personification of it. Oh. You kids are courage. Yeah. Okay. Think about this. Yeah. They have no idea if they're going to have a season. They have no yeah. idea if they're going to play a game, and yet they're out there putting it on the line and going after it every single day, yeah. okay? With, and, and it's your leadership, I mean, it's, okay? But they're doing it because they believe in you, they believe in what you're doing, they believe in the mission, mm -hmm. and they're out there, they're, I mean, I was moved, right? I'm, I'm literally standing there going, these kids are drowned rats right now, and they're not slowing down one iota. They're not, there's no ease up, there's no nothing, okay? Yeah. And so I'm literally out there going, look, you're the personification of courage. You're the walking, talking courage, right? And I'm like, and I'm, what I want you to do, if you remember, what I want you to do, your call to action, is look around you. Because if you look around you, you'll find courage in everyday people, okay? The guy that has to get into a wheelchair to come to school every day. The, you know, all these things that, you know, people that have comorbidities and yet they're still coming to school. 
Okay, you know, all those, those are, that's courage. Yeah. Go find it, go recognize it and appreciate it, right? That's what we talked about. So good. Okay. Yeah, so good. And it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life. Hmm. No joke. I was so honored to do it. And I was, and I absolutely knew after that experience that yeah. this was going to be an amazing thing for the next few years. I knew it. Hmm. And the next season it was, you yeah. know, and it was, and you just, you're off and running. Yeah. It was interesting that COVID year, because we, we started, because we had worked with uh, Kristen Gaspar, the county supervisor, to get kids back out on the field. Right. So uh, the ministry we run in town called Players One, and then obviously the high school, they were kind of running neck and neck yeah. together. How do we get kids out, getting exercise, getting fresh air? Get them out so, of the house. Yeah, so we started doing that from like, you know, August through September. We thought maybe football would start, you know, late September, October, and we didn't get the green light to April, right? right? So we had just kept practicing following all the county protocols, all the uh, county procedures. I mean, I remember being with a mask on and square bottles and shoes, just so we could get kids out there. Yeah. It didn't matter to me what it took as long as we could get kids out there getting exercise and being together in the community. That was the best and, thing you could have done. And then having people like you and Coach Snyder and Dennis Beebe, I, I mean, we had probably this gamut of speakers just coming out and investing in kids mm -hmm. because they need to hear other people's voices. Yeah. They have their parents at home, which is, should be their primary voice. God willing, the families are raising them the way they should go. Right. So when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Uh, and then they have coaches' voices. But you got to let youngsters hear voices because they start hearing the same voice because truth is truth. Mm -hmm. There's not your truth and my truth. There's a, the truth. Right. And so having people come out and speak truth to them, they start realizing this is truth. Yeah. yeah so so yeah, it reinforces it. Yeah. So let's talk about it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about play as one. Okay. Okay. So how did how did play as one? I mean, I know it's a it's big. I know it's. Yeah. I know it's your heart. Yeah. How did play as one come about? So how? Just take us through the. How did this happen? Yeah. You know, the, I think this whole this whole podcast is really in my mind. Cause I don't really. I don't really sit down and, and share my thoughts all in order like this right. in the timeline. It's been really a gift to me. So thank you for having yeah. me on this because I'm. Thanks for doing. I'm that. listening to the story as I'm. Sh I'm sharing. I'm like, oh, that's what God was doing there. Because God writes a story in suffering. Absolutely. Romans 5 says suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to character. And character leads to hope. And I exactly. love saying, if we know there's hope in the future, there's power right now in the present. Despite the suffering. Despite Guaranteed. dad leaving you. Despite uh, Smokey dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. Despite staring at TV dinner. So you got to look hard enough. Yeah. Right? So I look back at the story. I, never, so really, I, I started doing camps uh, at Valley Center called Jack Camp way okay. back in the day. And I was just helping out the camp. Uh, was just coaching kids and loving working with kids. I uh, got my first head coaching job, and I think, you know, why am I doing camps and not saying Jesus? So we started a camp here in town at Emmanuel Faith Community Church and started doing kids' camps for football. And how long ago was that? 2014. Okay. That's when okay. the play is so when it was. So this is nine years ago. Yeah, okay. when, it, when, it, when it was born. Yeah, we're going to year 10 yeah. right now. So um, started doing camps, and that's great. Camps are great. We'll do camps every year for a week in summer. Uh, we get, you know, registration money, and I would just pay my high schoolers, literally, uh, cash after camp is over. Thanks for volunteering. I give them money after camp, and mm -hmm. money was all gone, and we just went on. Never took a, a dime of it, right? Uh, it was odd enough. I did discover I hadn't paid taxes on it, so I actually lost money right. doing these camps because they didn't pay taxes on the money they got brought right. in. Right. So I was like, okay, I probably need to rethink how I'm doing these. <laughs> but as we did camp 14, 15, and then the year 2016, we had a shooting in town. I don't know if you remember this. Um, I do, actually. A woman came around from church. Uh, got cost, caught in the crossfire of two uh, gang members shooting over tagging rights on Grants. Yeah. Yeah. Late, late. I have a listing right down the street. Okay, so you remember this very yeah. well. And so I, I remember sitting in my office, I was just praying for this woman and, and her family, then the grieving of the family. And then my heart started getting moved. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what was coming. 
uh, God did kind of say, you lost three lions that night, not just one. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I have a husband, probably some kids. And I felt like the Lord said, no, you're not hearing me. Um, you, you, three, the woman that got shot and then the two kids that were gang members mm -hmm. that lost their life that night for making a bad decision. And we talk about the, the actions they're fully responsible for, but they have stories behind them. Mm -hmm. What if, just like what if, they had a transformational coach come in their life and they could coach them and they help them have, have a rich walk into their life. They can they can mold them, have a Denny Stein in their life, have a Sean Rohner in their life. A Chick Embry. A Chick Embry, a Rob Gilster. I mean, the list goes on. What if those two young men had one of those coaches mm -hmm. that I, for whatever reason, was gifted to have that changed the trajectory of my life from one thing to another thing? And so the Lord started working in my heart. And then about uh, a couple weeks later, three weeks later, uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian mm -hmm. Athletes, the chairman of the board, a guy by the name of Bruce Williams, who coincidentally randomly paid for me and my wife to go to the co for the marriage retreat. Same guy. Odd coincidence. No, it's a God incidence, right? Yeah. You hear that. So he comes to my office. He said, John, how you doing? Uh, Colin Sinclair brought me out here. I want to hear what God's doing with you. So I sit down with my office. And I start sharing my heart. This mm -hmm. shooting. I think we can do more through sports. I think we can do arts. I think we can do vocation. I think, God willing, one day we can have a discipleship training center where it's all about Jesus and we do all of this together. And he's listening to me. He's listening. I think, don't tell that boring this guy because I'm just talking. Probably a lot like I'm doing right now. Just just yeah. vomiting all these ideas. And You're thoughts. not vomiting. And There's no vomiting happening here. And he said this. He, he's sitting down. He's writing some notes. He's quiet at me. I'm looking at him. I get done. And then he starts talking. And he starts going 10 times faster than I was going. He's like, oh, this and this and you should do this. And I'm like, I'm writing notes down, like, well, okay, yeah. And so he challenges me. He said, God's calling you to build this. Mm -hmm. Go do it. And I'm like, Bruce, I'm, I'm a high school football coach. Mm -hmm. I, I almost lost my marriage you know, right. to, to football. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to redo this differently now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to recalibrate, reboot, and restart 2.0 coaching model. And he writes a check for $10,000, says, go start this. So we buy uniforms that first year. We buy uh, some advertisements in the community. We have the little you know, realtor signs on the mm -hmm. ground and say here, and uh, we take signups to a Google Doc. That's all we did. It was mm -hmm. a Google form, and we get like 100 families that first year. Mm -hmm. To be exact, it was 87 families um, and coming out for Players One uh, football and basketball. Mm -hmm. And now, year 2023, we've served over 3,000 families in the community. Yeah. So 87 to 3,000. Uh, it's been phenomenal the work that God's been doing. Our hope in Players One is this, simply this: we use the acronym SAVE. Mm -hmm. uh, S for sports. A for arts, V for vocation, and E for education. We're actually launching on September 11th our first uh, Ballard Training Discipleship Center. Mm -hmm. uh, we have four families participating in this this year. Uh, they're gonna get a coach that's gonna walk through them because we really believe that the moment we do this and we say it's a school, mm -hmm. we say it's a league, is the moment parents advocate their roles, knowingly or not knowingly, say go educate my, my son or my yeah. daughter. We're saying families, we're doing this together. We're gonna lock arms with you as a mom and dad. We're gonna love you as the parent. We're gonna love your children together. And we're going to help you raise your child the way they should go. We go back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 5. It's so good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this says, when you wake up in the morning, talk with your children about these things. When you walk along the side of the road, talk to them about who I am. Mm -hmm. When they go to bed, keep talking about this. We're just bringing families back to who they're meant to be in Christ. And so uh, Valley Training Center launches September 11th. Appreciate your prayers on it mm -hmm. uh, as we go and impact families. We believe God's going to do something really amazing in this. Um, there's an IMG Academy in Florida. Mm -hmm. It's all sports. Mm -hmm. No Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really believe God's calling us to create IMG in California, in Escondido, California. And it's not all sports. It's all Jesus. And we're going to use the idol of sport 
and arts and vocation education, and we're going to bring Christ, and we're going to see God do some really amazing things here in Escondido. That's awesome. Yeah, Play is One. That is really cool. Yeah, Play is One. So if anybody wants more information on Play is One, mm -hmm. where can they go to get more information? Yeah. You can start by reading John chapter 17 in the Bible. Okay. That's where you can start. That's the best place. That Jesus prayed for us to be one, as he and the Father are one, so that the world would know that he was sent by God. Okay. That's number one. That's where Play is One comes from. Uh, John 17, being unified. All right, one town, one team, one dream, one right, prayer. Right. Uh, the second place you can go, you can obviously go to playasone.org. Okay. Uh, you know, it all spelled out, playasone.org, and you can see all the information. We're getting ready to launch fall sports right now. We got uh, uh, soccer going, we got dance going, we got robotics going, we got gu guitar going, we got uh, cosmetology CTE class for high schoolers, That's so they cool. can get their uh, certificate in cosmetology and they can go from school to career versus some kids will go to school to college to career. We're training them on how to use uh, cosmetology. Uh, and the beautiful thing about cosmetology, it's odd, I'm a football coach, we're talking about hair and makeup. Right. Um, it's weird, it's so weird. Same with dance, you know, it's, it's one of those weird things, but we're just reclaiming space. It's mm -hmm. all we're doing is saying this space belongs to the Lord. And if you like to learn what it means to do cosmetology for Christ, they're gonna learn how to do all the hair and makeup and they're gonna learn how to show the faith. Mm -hmm. And then at the, end of the, at the end of the session, they're gonna do a, uh, a culminating event where they're gonna help shut-ins or widows and go paint their nails and do their hair. Um, at, a, at a retirement home here in town. So really taking something that seems kind of like wouldn't work mm -hmm. and saying, Jesus, would you put your hand on this and be who you are in it? So really, so this, this vocational thing is a real need. Yeah, there's strange. a real gap right now Mike because Rowe, of dirty yeah, jobs. Yeah, because of all the all the cut cutbacks and budgets and all that kind of thing. Yeah, there's not a lot of vocational education out there. So this is a real need out That's there. That's right. That's yeah. awesome. And so we just find champions, people that love Jesus, who love kids and families and love cosmetology. Uh, Kobe Farmer's our, our cosmetologist. She's a licensed cosmetologist, she's great. Uh, Jason Young and Bryant White did robotics. You have a NASA engineer and you have a cybersecurity guy teaching robotics. I mean, couldn't be any better guys doing it. Uh, guitar, you got Ben Coleman and Michael Denise that are on guitar. Uh, Becky Dean doing dance. Isaac Trevison doing soccer. You got Rebecca Bouchon doing volleyball in the spring. I coach football in the, mm -hmm. in the spring as well. And then you got uh, Dr. Emmett Lee, who's a family doctor, loves basketball, and he's teaching basketball during the winter. So all the, and there's so many more offerings I'm forgetting. Sorry, people, if you listen to this, I didn't right. say your name. It's uh, all right. But there's so many things that God's doing through sports, arts, vocation, education. That's awesome. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I just like to say to this guy on the on the podcast right now, thank you for all you do. He, he, he said anything I can do now, but he is almost um, like asking me weekly, what can I do to serve? What can I do to help? And I appreciate that heart. That's really what Jesus did when he said, I'm going to wash the disciples' feet. I'm going to serve. And I'm just so grateful for that example and your friendship all these years. I had no idea when I met you on that field. I think it was five years ago, actually, because this is going in our fifth year. Yeah. You came on the field, you introduced yourself to me, and I was in the middle of practice, didn't know who you were, trying to fill out what's going on, trying to run practice with 13 kids. It was a spring ball practice. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for serving our kids here at Escondido Charter. And I know you do it all throughout Escondido, but you are a gift to our town, and you're a gift to me personally. So thank you for what you do. Grateful for your friendship. Thank you, brother. I yeah. love you, brother. Yeah, I'm going to hug you. Thanks for we hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? 
Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760. 